Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Have you always felt a little odd, a little different? The world is crying out for witches to heal and to rebuild. But do you hear its call and will you answer? This is a space for free thinking, where I give you tools to explore and build your craft. We all have a divine spark. Join me each week and grow that spark into a fiery beacon. I am your host, Michael Moorcroft, and I'll be bringing you a one-on-one guide to all things witchcraft and spirituality. This is The Major's Well. Hey Majors, welcome back to the show. I thought it was time to look at another deity, so this week I thought we could focus on the Mayan moon goddess Ishel, also known as Lady Rainbow or She of the Paleface, as she personifies the moon. And really, she has dominion over so much more. But first, let's have a look at the week ahead. So Hot Tea Day is on the 12th, Tea has been drunk from the 2nd century BCE, and it's actually the world's second most popular beverage, the first being water. The legend has it that tea leaves fell into a pot of water that was being boiled for the Chinese emperor Shen Nung, who drank the brew and found it delicious and relaxing. Put the kettle on and have a brew on the 12th. Mars Retrograde ends on the 12th as well, We've got Mercury Retrograde ending on the 18th. Hallelujah, there should be more energy available to us after the 18th as all the planets are direct again. And the moon is also currently waning. Appreciate a Dragon Day falls on Monday the 16th. And this is to celebrate dragons in popular literature. But I'd be tempted to look up if there is any mythology around dragons in your area. Alternatively, you could watch Game of Thrones. 
International We Are Not Broken Day is January 17th. This is raising awareness around trauma, having a mental illness, having amputations, having physical scars, or an invisible illness. And it's highlighting that if someone has gone through one of these things, it doesn't make them broken. We've got World Religion Day on January 15th, celebrating all the religions of the world. It's estimated there are 4,200 religions. And if you want to celebrate, maybe you could honour your religion or your spiritual practice on this day. And that's your week. Now, let's have a look at Ishel. One of the most important deities, Ishel is linked to fertility, personal as well as the lands, and by extension she was linked to weather and water. Women often slept next to bodies of water and pray for her guidance within a dream. We also have beauty, sexuality, including virginity and promiscuity, weaving and medicine. Sometimes she's depicted as performing surgery. She also rules over healing. In fact, it's a common belief today that when looking for herbs, shamans and healers will often take a woman with them, as Ishel is more likely to show them medicinal herbs. For those trying to conceive, they'll place an image of Ishel under their bed. It's also hoped she'll grant them a safe birth too. When she isn't travelling through the night sky as our moon, she's resting in a cenote. Before we really get into her background and origins and what she's all about, I thought it was worth looking at the ancient Mayans and who they were and the sort of lives and societies that they built. Now, to the ancient Mayans, every aspect of life and nature had its own deity, and to date, it's looking like they had over 250 different deities, which is a fair few. A big reason for this number is because the Mayans, they weren't a unanimous civilization, so they weren't a single state as we think of countries like Mexico and China today, but rather more a collection of city-states with their own areas of influence, and with each city having its own ruler. So when we say the Mayan civilization, it isn't entirely accurate of the situation, and because of this, each Mayan community had their own beliefs and their own deities. As a result, multiple deities can represent the same thing, their names can change over time, and they often have inconsistent mythologies, especially around popular deities that pop up. There's these huge universal deities that the majority of the Mayan communities recognise, and then there's more smaller, more obscure deities that are recognised on a smaller local level. Traditionally, to understand the Mayan pantheon, academics compared it to the Greek pantheon, but it would be more accurate to liken it to saints within Christianity, each figure and expression of the divine with duties and dominions that may overlap with others. Adding to this complex mix is the fact that we're only really starting to understand ancient Mayan culture with research starting in the 20th century, in comparison to the Aztecs, where studies began on them since their colonisation in the early 1500s. To clear up some other misconceptions, 
The Mayans predate the Aztecs, so the earliest Mayan city-states existed around 1800 BCE, um, according to today's stats and figures, and the last cities disintegrated by about 900 CE. Then the Aztecs pop up around 400 years later, from 1300 to 1521, where Cortes colonised them. And the Mayans still exist today. Their great city-states died, yes, but the people did not. Once the cities disbanded, the people moved into the jungles. And today, the Mayan population is around 10 million estimated, made up of different groups, each with their own language, customs and beliefs. The Mayans did not die out or disappear. They are very much alive. It's just the way that they operate in the world that's changed. Final point to say, a lot of our knowledge about the Mayans comes from Friar Diego de Landa, a colonizer who came with Cortes. So, obviously problematic, obviously misinformed and biased information. Now, he documented their expedition, but he was also a massive burner of the Mayan and Aztec codices. A codice is what we call Mesoamerican books, and we've lost a lot of knowledge because of this friar. So, bearing this all in mind, let's look at Ixelle, and let's start by looking at her name. Now, the first time this name was documented was around the 16th century. We're not too sure where Ixelle comes from, therefore it makes knowing what language to translate her name from very hard. Bearing in mind that in Guatemala alone, there are over 20 indigenous languages. Now, given her popularity in the Yucatan, an area of Mexico, it's the peninsula in the southeast, and the eastern coast is where we particularly see prevalent worship to Ixelle. And it's she's linked to water, and the east is where the moon rises as well. So there's a lot of... There's a lot of natural connotations to make with this eastern coastline. And in this area, Chell means rainbow or translucent light. So we could assume Rainbow Woman would be the most fitting translation. We also have yet to discover her name glyph. And just a side note about rainbows, the ancient Mayans did not see them as a good thing. They were the product of demons and they were seen as a potent omen that brought darkness and sickness. Now, Ishel probably originated from the Itza region and then spread throughout the Yucatan within Mexico. Looking at the few remaining codices we have from the Mayans, it looks like she has many husbands and mothers, many divine children, and many mortals actually claimed lineage from her to add legitimacy to their elite status. Given the amount of husbands she's portrayed with, it's thought she was seen as very powerful, if not the most powerful deity throughout Mayan spirituality, with her power primarily being linked to her sexuality. And a sexuality that wasn't limited to heterosexuality either. In the Dresden Codex, she appears to be having sex with a female death deity. And the friar with the book-burning fetish, Delanda, he described Ishel as, quote, the Isis of the Mayan pantheon which sort of highlights how powerful and how much dominion she has over the earth. Now, it's thought that festivals and feasts were held in her honour, the most important being Ishi Eshel, held on the sixth day in the Mayan month called Zip, which runs between September 4th and 23rd, 
And it was particularly important to physicians and shamans and divination stones and idols of the goddess were used during the festival, whereby they were covered in blue bitumen. We also know that a dance took place called Chantania, meaning dance of the moon. Now, there aren't many surviving myths around Ishel. However, we do have a very detailed one with multiple variants, so I've read as widely as possible and combined all these different elements. Ishel's beauty knew no bounds, and all the gods desired her. They longed to be with her, but she wasn't interested in any of them. There was only one she had eyes for, and that was the sun god, Akin. He didn't fall under the spell of her beauty, though, and he often rebuffed her advances. This made Ishel want him even more as she watched him travel through the sky. The more she looked at him, the more she glowed. This waiting and watching lasted eons, until she begins to follow him one day, unaware of the effect she was having on the earth as the tides grew violent and unpredictable and the lands flooded. Remember, she is the moon personified. Knowing she would never catch up to the sun, to Akin, she decided to weave him a beautiful cloth. And with this cloth, she created a gown. Upon seeing her in this dress, Akin instantly asked for a hand in marriage, and they had four children together, who each become a cardinal direction. Now, Ishel's grandfather wasn't pleased with this union, however, because Ishel had secretly eloped and defied her grandfather's wishes. Now, in revenge, he killed her outright with bolts of lightning. Dragonflies gathered over her body, singing songs and mourning the loss of her for 14 days, whereby she suddenly returned to life. She returns to Akin, but all was far from well. He began to grow jealous, jealous of her beauty and suspicious of where she'd been. He grew worried that others would steal her away, especially his brother, the Morning Star. Convinced of Ishel's treachery, he cast her from the heavens, whereby she sought shelter with vultures. Now after seeing her plight, Akin actually apologised and convinced her to return home, but it wasn't long before he grew jealous again. Now Ichel, fed up of the situation, waited till he slept one night. She transformed into a jaguar and made her escape, making sure to hide whenever Akin came looking for her and wandering wherever she pleased. Rather than investing in an abusive relationship, she devoted her time instead to looking over expecting mothers and those in labour, the menstruation cycle and personal fertility. She also has dominion over protection from dangerous spiders and healing their bites. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Now, Ishel also has a major pilgrimage site located on an island called Cozumel, the largest island in the Mexican Caribbean Sea. Now, coming from Cozam, meaning swallows, and Lumil, meaning land, it equates to the land of the swallows. In some depictions of Ishel, she does have swallows at her feet. In ancient times, the island was known as Tantum, or built on stone. And this derives from the fact that the island is literally a flat platform of limestone, rising almost 15 metres above sea level. It was occupied by the Mayans from at least 300 BCE, we think, and was being used right until the Spanish landed in 1513. According to our problematic friar who I mentioned earlier, he said that the island was actually ruled by a high priest. Its geography added to its sacredness, The Mayans revered the cardinal points, and Cozumel was the most eastern point of the Mayan known world. The direction associated with the rising sun, moon, and other heavenly bodies, and it was the direction from which the rains arrived, and it was linked to this idea of rebirth and renewal. Combine this with the fact it was surrounded by water, it was destined from day one to be a sacred site a regional religious complex, it was also a massive trade centre and an astronomical hub whereby kings, queens, elites and ordinary people consulted the priest over constellations and the predictions around them, and a lot of the ancient buildings on the island are aligned to solstices, while the buildings on the eastern side all link to the lunar movements. Looking at the buildings, it appears full moon standstills were particularly important. Now this is when the moon reaches its furthest north, or its furthest south point, during the course of a month. So I looked into what they are a little more, as I hadn't heard of them, and it turns out a lot of Neolithic sites are positioned to observe this heavenly movement but academics have no idea what this would have represented to ancient peoples, and given our sparse knowledge around the Mayans, we might never know what it represented to them. So to witness this effect, it would have needed a very clear sky to observe the stars and the constellations, and it leads to the reappearance of the crescent moon as it begins to set on the western horizon. And when a standstill happens, roughly every 19 years, The moon can appear so low in the sky, it looks like it's actually walking across the earth. And I'd actually wondered if these buildings aligned to this movement were somehow paying homage to Ishel's myth, where her husband casts her out the heavens over suspicions of her infidelity. She wanders the earth and eventually takes shelter with vultures, but there's no mention of her travelling the seas, which from Cozumel, the moon would have appeared that it was doing this. 
But back to the pilgrimage, though. After cleansing ceremonies, and when the waning moon appeared in the east, pilgrims, mainly women, it's thought, jumped onto canoes for 12 hours in a dangerous journey to reach the island. And from the beaches, they walked up to the sacred city to offer prayers and find divine guidance. Now, Spanish colonisers reported a life-sized ceramic statue, delivering prophecies and answering pilgrims' questions in exchange for offerings of copal, fruit, and bird and dog sacrifices. Now, according to colonial records, the oracle at Cozumel played a role in the foundation of new settlements, and it was also consulted in times of warfare. A building has been found that's thought to have housed the Ishel oracle statue, and looking at the building's dimensions, it would have aligned perfectly to the June solstice setting sun, and as it fell below the horizon, it would have perfectly illuminated this idol. The statue no longer remains, but there is an island to the north named Isla Mujeres, meaning Island of Women, that Cortes actually gave the name to, on account of the number of statues and idols of women that were presumably of Ishel. Now, Cortes actually destroys a few of them and replaces them with the Virgin Mary. But both islands, Cozumel and Isla Mujeres, were major pilgrimage sites, The journey was thought to be undertaken at least twice in a woman's lifetime, the first as a girl in the company of her mother, and the second as a mother with her daughter. According to the legend, the island's inhabitants were all priestesses to Ishel, and according to Cortes, at a settlement called Tixel, there were tales of young, unmarried women being sacrificed to a goddess who was most likely Ishel and failure to do so resulted in the goddess's wrath and fury. Interestingly, Cozumel has a high proportion of toad skeletons that wouldn't normally be found there. Upon further investigation, the bones were from the buffer toad, which secretes a highly psychedelic venom, which in modern-day Veracruz is harvested and rolled into pills for use within love magic. The island was also a massive beekeeping community. Let's talk about another key point of Ishel, the fact that some believe she's a triple goddess with maiden, mother, and crone aspects. In her maiden role, she rules over fertility and medicine, often paired with her rabbit companion, a symbol of fertility and the moon. She often has a coiled snake headdress connecting her to medicine and healing, and it's also thought that the coiled snake could represent a womb. In the mother role, she's linked to the moon and weaving, and all those who weave are said to receive their patterns in dreams from Ishel. She isn't pictured with the snake headdress in this form, thought to be because she's too busy raising her own children to have time to heal others. But in her crone aspect, she's fearsome and dangerous, causing floods. She rules over medicine once again and is the keeper of souls. But this all being said, it's thought potential pinch of salt here. It's thought these different aspects were completely different deities altogether. We're not really sure. In the codices, we've discovered there is Goddess One, who we've translated to Ixigab, Lady Earth, or Ixig-U, Lady Moon, where she's this sexual, powerful woman ruling over love, fertility, and marriage. In this form, she sometimes has a beak on her upper lip as well, and often in depictions, she's paired with a lunar crescent and a rabbit. 
Now, this goddess is thought to have come from central Mexico, as several tribes link the moon to a rabbit, which is an odd detail, and it does happen in and around the world. But when viewing the moon from Mesoamerica, the craters cast a shape reminiscent of a rabbit. There's also an elderly version of this goddess where she resides over weaving. Now, there's also goddess Zero, a powerful aged woman linked not only to birth and creation, but also death and the world's destruction. Now, one of her names is Chakshel, meaning Red Rainbow or Great End. Remember, rainbows weren't seen as a good thing to the Mayans. It's thought they symbolize destruction. Now, in this form, Ishel is seen wearing a skirt with crossed bones, sometimes with jaguar claws on her hands and feet, and with a wide, unsettling mouth. Or she's sometimes seen holding an earthenware jug that, if it's tipping the contents out, she's causing a destructive flood. There's often symbols connecting her to eclipses, so between this and the claws, it's thought that she's some sort of eclipse demon that threatens the destruction of our world. The Mayans didn't view eclipses as a good thing, something that the Aztecs would also come to adopt. It's thought that Goddess O is more likely to be linked to Ishel on account of her being married to the sun god. But Goddess O rules over many things, including weaving and spiders, water, divination, destruction, sex and childbirth. In her role of weaving, she was often depicted as holding a spindle that served as the centre of the universe, giving her tremendous power, but we're just unsure of how she wielded this power and if it was just and fair. Adding to the confusion is that both of these goddesses bear multiple names with multiple translations, which also may be different epithets of goddess one or zero, or that we have even more goddesses. Honestly, it is a hot mess and scholars are in so much debate about it. There's also a theory that goddess zero and goddess one may be mother and daughter as well. There's debate over which moon phase the goddesses rule over, some saying the waning phase, with others saying it's the entire process, while there's suggestions that Ishel is not a moon goddess at all. Eric Thompson, in the 1940s, conflated different goddesses in the codices we have into one central figure, Ishel, suggesting that they were just different representations of her. His thinking, it's very typical of the time he was from. We see academics in the West searching for this divine feminine to counter the rise of industrialism. And this divine feminism was portrayed as the moon or the green earth and, and this all-powerful central goddess worshipped by prehistoric cultures. It really took off and it even penetrated archaeological circles slightly skewing interpretations of ancient spirituality. This reinvention of the past is obviously problematic, and it highlights that there's a gap between academic interpretations of Ishel as this sort of pop figure and the multiplicity of ancient Mayan deities. Cozumel, her island that I spoke of earlier, has also come under scrutiny, with some suggesting that archaeologists have used Eric Thompson's work to interpret the number of temples located on the island as a cult site linked to Ishel. There's actually a lot of interpretations of this site. Some suggest that four goddesses were worshipped here, Ishel, Ishabeliax, Ixhuni, and Ixhunita. 
There's some who argue that the last two are the same goddess, and according to a friar who visited and documented the island in 1566, he said that they were the daughters and daughter-in-laws of Ischel, and there's also some who suggest that there's little evidence over Ischel having links to the moon on the island. Again, like I said, a little bit of a hot mess. It kind of reminds me of what happened to Isis. You might remember from my episode on her that she was only ever a solar deity in Egypt, but when Alexander the Great annexed Egypt, he imported her back to Greece, whereby they had this concept where as she was a goddess, she must be linked to the moon. Rebranded, she continued on her journey through Europe with this new lunar link. Whether these inaccuracies with Ischel are blatantly wrong, or whether this is simply the goddess morphing and adapting to a modern world around her, I'll let you decide. And that is a wrap for Ischel. This episode, I'm not going to lie, it was a bit of a nightmare to research. There were so many discrepancies no one knows what on earth is going on, scholars are fighting with each other, trying to read research papers that don't really conclude anything. It was a lot. It was probably one of my most hardest episodes to date. So if you've enjoyed even the slightest ounce of it, please consider rating the show wherever you're listening, leave a review. You can buy me a coffee or sign up for bonus content on my Supercast. The links are in the episode description. Follow me on Instagram. Support me in some way because it would be greatly appreciated after today's episode because, yeah, it was it was a lot. But yes, I hope you've enjoyed it. But before I go, the poem this week is called A Flower Song for Maidens Coming of Age. It's an ancient Mayan poem that was discovered in the songs of Jibalch Codex in 1942, which is thought to be composed in 1440, but this was probably passed on orally for generations before being written down. The beautiful, beautiful moon has risen above the woods, tracing her bright path across the heavens. Suspended, she pours light upon the woods, the earth entire. A breeze blows sweetly, carrying perfume scents. The moon reaches her zenith, her glow silvering the world. Joy sings out within every good man. We reach the centre, the womb of the forest. Utter stillness, no one will see what we have come to do. We have brought flowers, orlinda blooms, ebony blossoms, milkwood buds. We have brought copal incense and wild bamboo, a tortoise shell and crystal dust, new cotton thread and spindles, a large fantastic flint and a counterweight, new needlework and a sacrificial bird, new sandals too, everything new, even the thongs we use to tie our hair back, so the old woman, teacher and guide, can anoint our necks with nectar, as she instructs us in the ways of women. We stand at the heart of the forest, beside the stone pool, waiting for Venus, the smoking star, to glimmer above the trees. Remove your clothes, let your hair down, bask in the moonlight, naked as the day of your birth. Virgins, maidens, women. Peace out, witches, and I'll see you at the crossroads.
Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.